much for tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Device. I'm on with the fantastic and wonderful Jason Claybrook from Aura Wireless. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for joining me today, buddy. It's great as always to be here. Thank you very much. I appreciate your your energy that you always bring to this. <laughs> uh, talking today specifically uh, about Aura Wireless and uh, some of the things that we've seen in these uh, community Wi-Fi projects that have been popping up. Aura's got a fantastic solution for that. A lot of this, um, I think, uh, started with Wi-Fi connectivity options for the student population as people were going remote because of COVID-19. And we saw a lot of issues with that. And I think we're going to talk about that in ways that we can help solve that, hopefully, with a partnership with Aura amongst uh, some of the other organizations that we work with and partnership with. But um, over to you first and foremost for some opening comments around what we're talking about today, Jason. Sure. You know, it's, uh, man, it, it kind of feels like maybe some days, the last six months have been excruciatingly slow since the whole lockdown and COVID really hit everybody punched us in the nose and other days we're seeing things just advance so quickly and the learnings are coming so quickly that it's you know it, it, it's been kind of rewarding to see how some people have come together and started really solving some pretty critical problems um you know i would say if, if we're just jumping straight into it Man, back in the spring, and you, you know better than me with what 3i does, how fast were my fis falling off the shelf and, yeah, and we, everybody? everybody. Kinda, we we got to put something into the economically disadvantaged hands because kids are going to be at home and studying and there's no there's nothing out there aside from a MiFi solution that's just going to rapidly put internet in people's hands and then get fast forward. You know, even with summer months of planning, the stimulus packages, everything, we're talking about doing some really big transformative things now in a very short window of time. And yeah. that's one of the really cool, rewarding things that we've seen over the last several months is, you know, tell you, I just read an RFP uh, just the other day, and it, it talks about this. And, and their goals for building out community Wi-Fi, they recognize... Hey, what we did six months ago, that was a Band-Aid. It was an expensive Band-Aid, but it was the only Band-Aid. You know, we reached in the drawer, we grabbed what we could, and we went with it. You know, and that, that was your MyFi type solution. But now, now you have data points, you have proof points and saying, you know what? We just saturated a bunch of cell towers, and we just did some pretty unnatural things with MyFi hotspots. Those things aren't meant to be on for 10, 12 hours at a time and feed the whole family of four, five, or six, right? Right, right. Melting some, sometimes, or actually, see, or cell phones, for example, the hotspots and the cell phones that have been just plugged in and turned on for just hours upon hours upon hours. Uh, it's definitely not how those things were meant. It was a more of a supplemental, not a conduit to connectivity in permanence. Right, right. So uh, kind of one of the great things that we're seeing is when when you think about different network access technologies unlicensed spectrum license your traditional wireline applications er, historically everybody's always treated that well i'm either going to do this one or i'm going to do that i'm going to do this one mm -hmm. and at the same time at the same time that we go through this pandemic you have a lot of new technologies really starting to percolate and show up out there. You have private LTE and CBRS really taking hold. 
and in some respects accelerating where we can take a lot longer for CBRS to have a place in this world. Mm. We're seeing right now because of COVID, the CBRS deployments accelerate private D. You're seeing a lot, um, you know, when we were talking a couple years ago, of, hey, what's the 5G use cases and, and being able to use that to densify connectivity for these really advanced things, you know, and people talk about the weird stuff like remote surgery and yeah. the, you know, the, the uh, back to the future stuff so we can have self-driving DeLoreans and, and that's all cool and wonderful. That's coming down a pipe someday, but right now we have bigger, more practical things that we have to deal with. And right. then you have Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi 6. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, we were having these discussions a couple of years ago where, you know, the question was, hey, 5G is coming, CBRS is coming. So Wi-Fi is dead, right? And the answer that everybody had two years ago was, no, Wi-Fi is not dead. Every time we accelerate these other technologies, guess what else accelerates? Wi-Fi. And we, now we have Wi-Fi 6 and and we have specs coming out on adding 6 gigahertz. So a, an enormous swath of unlicensed spectrum coming. Mm. And I think what's really rewarding is, you know, these camps had different people in it. And these different people, this was, hey, I'm in the CBRS camp. Hey, I'm in the Wi-Fi camp. I'm in the LAA. I'm in the 5G camp. And my, my solution is going to work better in and the what we're seeing now is people are recognizing really, um, not to go overly Trump, but really smart people are saying it's not one or the other. It's yeah. all of Was well, this, 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 this happen? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but does this always happen in tech? It's like there's like a new thing and everyone goes, oh, that's going to replace everything. That's going to be the thing. Yeah. And it's like. It can't because at the edge of all of the peripheral devices that you were just talking about, all the different spectrum, Wi-Fi is at the very, very edge of all of that from a connectivity perspective. And this is like one of the things that we were talking about within um, CBRS coming and like the, some of the people that are, are are putting all of their eggs in the CBRS to the five gigahertz um, or excuse me, the 5G basket, which is it's great from a, a tech perspective. And yes, we do need people focusing on it. But the amount of devices that actually have the ability to connect to those signals, they're really not that plentiful. There's a technology adoption curve that takes a long 100%, time to overcome. hundred percent, right? right. And, and the problem that everybody's solving for with these community Wi-Fi projects is for primarily for our economically disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. So is the idea that I'm gonna take the latest and greatest Android or iOS device or the latest and greatest laptop that's got the latest and greatest 5G chipset, or it's got band 48, and forklift up thousands upon thousands upon millions of devices for its connectivity, mm-hmm. and build a network to reach them all that doesn't exist? Am I going to go through both expenses simultaneously? That's not going to happen. That's not no. practical. That's not good fiduciary responsibility. But I can take 5G. I can take 60 gigahertz for point to point. I could use millimeter wave. I could use CBRS to extend deeper. And then guess what? We all have Wi-Fi. Even the one-to-one initiatives that have been going on for years with tablets and Chromebooks, they have Wi-Fi in them. So mm-hmm. what we have to do is get Wi-Fi closer to those client devices when they're distance learning, when they're work, having to work from home, 
Yeah. And it's different in different places of the country. Really, it's a global problem. We all know that. But here, what is the quickest way to get them connected? Well, if we can extend Wi-Fi closer to them. So if I start building a network and I've got all these great network transports, whether it's 5G, it's CBRS, but I don't have those protocols on the client devices, how do I get to them? And what's the lowest cost per bit to get to them? It's still Wi-Fi. It's always going to be Wi-Fi. Yeah. But we have a problem with Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi, traditional Wi-Fi, my radius of coverage from a single access point isn't that great. So we see deployments very, very happening, starting to happen where you see CBRS, you see 60 gigahertz providing network access for Wi-Fi and getting that into communities. But in this communities, not even huge communities, 1,000 APs going out there. Then there's a thousand AP locations. And more importantly, is those AP locations because the APs are fixed costs. You know, you could spend a thousand, fifteen hundred bucks on an AP mm-hmm. on a good commercial grade outdoor access point. And you multiply that by a thousand. Well, that's a lot. And if that's what I got to do to be able to cover all that ground, that's one thing. But at the same time, I've got to install it. I've got two guys in a ladder and a truck going yeah. around everywhere. I've got planning. Well, this where is, it's a perfect time for Apogee in this situation yeah, is we really collapse cool. AP locations. We mm-hmm. go from co- providing 150 foot radius of Wi-Fi coverage to providing 500, 700, depending on the topography, up to a thousand foot of Wi-Fi coverage from yeah. a single AP location. So we drive down the number of AP locations. It drives down really that low margin from from the you know the guys that are installing it and building these networks that's a low margin business the labor piece of it and you know we're not against somebody still going to be hanging antennas and ap's up but do you need a thousand do you need a thousand locations the answer really is no with the with the rf design that makes sense you can greatly reduce the number of ap locations it's not necessarily going to change how many ap's that's right. going to be controlled by how many current subscribers in it in that it's in that traffic. coverage area. Yeah, it's the traffic. Well, so if you need the traffic, then you're still going to need the APs. But this is also where Aura is very unique because it's not a one-to-one ratio for antenna to access point. So you're getting, I think, up to four. Correct. It, it really depends on the uh, AP manufacturer and and what you're doing with that AP. But yeah, it in different situations, it's two, three, or four. Um, yeah. So again, yeah, but it's something it's, that we but to the to the point I was trying to make is that if you're going for each each one of those uh, APs traditionally you'd have you'd have fiber you'd have all the labor behind that you'd have uh, the truck the engineers like there, it's just a lot to go into a thousand locations versus uh, still having the same amount of APs needed to field the traffic but significantly less locations AP locations therefore that yeah. that that installation is uh, well, it's less expensive, but it's also less time consuming as well because you're not having to physically do this a thousand times. So we talked yeah. about like the why, why uh, so many schools looked into getting hotspots for the students and then this concept around community Wi-Fi popping up so much over the last, uh, really the last two quarters of like the COVID lockdown. I think a lot of that w- was born from the necessity and the need for Wi-Fi for the community and then also seeing that the hotspot was not the best way to do that moving forward. And also, too, like the, the long-term cost of a hotspot is it is not cost-friendly <laughs> to, to give everybody a Wi-Fi hotspot that's LTE 
and say, hey, this is your supplemental or even your main connection or even your supplemental connection for that matter for like all of time. That's a huge right. cost to the schools or to any organization that's trying to do that. So what would make more sense is to take a little bit of an additional cost in the upfront from an infrastructure perspective, get that laid down. But then also, too, once you have community Wi-Fi, there's all kinds of other things that we, have, we would have access to that we wouldn't normally have if you just had a bunch of people walking around with hotspots in their pocket. So it's a really interesting – it's a very unique proposition in that – in order to get to things like smart cities and, you know, better connected EMS or EMT, that's like emergency services, like those types of things for emergency response. But before you can even get there, you have to have a network infrastructure of some kind. And this was always the issue in, in like solution selling. You go into these buildings or you go into these organizations and you try to get them off of paper into digital or whatever the case or whatever, like display technology. The, the, the infrastructure, the backbone for all of that is always the network connectivity. And it always seems to be the last thing that, to, to get an update or a build out, which causes incredible problems in the long run. It's, it's very cost prohibitive uh, to go back and have to do this again because you're already, you're paying for the MiFi hotspots that went out into the community so there, that money's gone, and now you're having to go back to the drawing board again to do this when we probably could have done it better the first time around with just a little bit of like uh, a little bit of breaking from a speed perspective and a little bit more of a thoughtful RF design. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot that goes into that. You know, I you can't really blame administrators and school districts for going down the hotspot path because there was nobody in February of this year that would have said that they were going to raise their hand and take responsibility for connecting economically disadvantaged off the campus. Right. There was actually rules against it for school districts. Those rule, there was rules that from the, from at a federal level, it said, that's not your job. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. And now you do have some legislative support. You have some regulatory support to say, you know what? Rules be damned. We've got to go solve this problem or we're going to yeah. have a bunch of kids left behind. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can't have that level of inequality Two, you know, going back to, you know, these great advancements in other RF technologies in your 60 gigahertz, your CVRS, we're solving for some of that fiber access problem and the expense and the time it takes to trench fiber. So whenever you whenever you look at this and say, you know, we could take CVRS and a cellular router that shoots out Wi-Fi on the other side of it and rapidly deploy that, that's fantastic. We're solving that problem really quick. Mm -hmm. But then we still have this chasm that exists between the Wi-Fi side of that cellular router, or if it's 60 gigahertz going to a, a more traditional Wi-Fi access point, we still have this chasm that exists between the client device and, and the uh, AP or the cellular access point, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where Apogee fits in is attach that right there and we're building a bridge to actually be able to get to them, and especially with our asymmetric gain for that client device to make it back to us, because that asymmetric gain is really between that and our steep filtering and being able to add nine dB of transmit gain across not a 15 degree sector or 30 degree sector antenna, but across four 90 degree sectors. Mm -hmm. When, when you think about 90 degrees going out a thousand feet, you're covering 17 acres. Now, attenuation happens. There's things that happen that we sure. always personally feedback that off and say, you know, certainly five, 10 acres, mm -hmm. um, 17. We've seen it happen. It depends on topography, but that, that there's still a, 
the alternative is you go back to 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 do this with traditional Wi-Fi in this small community. I need a thousand access points, mm-hmm. and what we've proven with our agriculture deployments and our education deployments, and really across every vertical, is we're going to cover a lot more ground, mm-hmm. and we're not competing with CBRS. We're right. enabling CBRS. We're not competing with 60 gigahertz. We're advancing 60 gigahertz because the the long pole in the tent has always been the low low power coming from the client device. And that client device always has Wi-Fi on it. So getting Wi-Fi to that AP Mm -hmm. has an AP or coming back from that client device to the AP. That's always been the challenge. That's the the biggest challenge. That's the long pole in the tent. And that's what we where we step in and say, we can reduce the number of AP locations. We can consolidate those. And when you look at your build materials and you look at what it actually costs to build that network, 60, easily 50 to 70% of that final bill is going to be in your, is going to be in your labor and all those AP locations. So if they're saying, I need a thousand AP and AP locations out here, you may still need a thousand APs for density. But you're not going to need a thousand AP locations, right? And, and as a get, taxpayer yeah. myself, I don't want anybody <laughs> in my town right. on my dime saying, "You know what? Just throw more APs at it in AP locations." No, 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 no. Let's build something that makes sense. Right, right. And I think that yes, a hundred percent. I don't think anybody would disagree with that sentiment. Build something that makes <laughs> sense. That's cost cost effective well, as well for everybody involved. Yeah, some, uh, sometimes, if you're up against a quarter, quarterly quota, quota, it doesn't make sense. But well, yeah, you know. I mean, I know that <laughs> that could go away. Yeah, the uh, well, I think it, so. Again, it's, and that and the agriculture, and one of the just for for reference, I think that was we were looking at something like seventy access points and access point locations, and that got scaled back to just three APs and three antenna, and that was for what yeah. they needed from a traffic perspective. It doesn't mean that they couldn't add 70 uh, APs to those antennas and, and put up with additional uh, right. access point locations. You can add 70 to three. But no, well, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> well, not to yeah. not to three, Here's but yeah. Point. But you get my yeah, you get my point. But the, the and again, there's an ex, there should be an excitement around this as well because we're we're able to put infrastructure in places where it it's been cost prohibitive to do so in the past. That's kind of a big deal. Um, and, and and quickly. Yes. Yes. And so, again, it's like we have the ability to fix a, a longstanding problem when it comes to uh, network infrastructure. And we can do that very easily with something as simple as an aura antenna uh, added to a deployment where it's applicable um, in that RF mapping. Is that a good way to capture that? Did I say that eloquently? Jason? Yeah, I mean, it could be a cellular Wi-Fi router combo. It could be a traditional AP. We have the network technologies to quickly turn up again CBRS 60 gigahertz it could be millimeter wave uses backhaul mm-hmm. all that stuff is fine and wonderful at the end of the day unless you're going to sit there take a school district that's got a 30,000 students and a one-to-one ratio on laptops are you really going to put out thousands of new devices on top of that and the answer is no and we're seeing that with other deployments with competing solutions Right now, the answer for some people is, we'll just throw a ton of APs at it. And what our what we're saying is, no, let's cut back the number of AP locations because we can and because 
It's what's going to be better for everybody. Even for our technology, from a technology perspective, the more you stack APs on top of one another, the more likely they are to distance one another, have co-channel yeah. experience, and that drives down the quality of the experience. And at the end of the day, with this com the initiative around community Wi-Fi right now, it's about students. So, you know, hey, I'm not one that always, I am probably like the last person to sit there and say, let's tug on some heartstrings with this. That's not me. But the reality is you've got to educate people. You yeah. know, pandemic or not, kids got to learn. Otherwise, you know, it's going to come back and bite all of us. So how can we solve for this efficiently? Absolutely. And there's a lot of, like I said, there's a, there's a lot of other things that are at our fingertips. Uh, if we actually had a smart uh, grid of some kind or a smart, like smart cities, they actually had that infrastructure in place. There's a lot that can be done with that from a positive perspective as well. Uh, past just the world of education, which will be our next episode. There you go. I think That's this is a, uh, <laughs> I think I, uh, Honestly, I think this is a precursor that accelerates a lot of that. Is you got to have you got to have a problem. You know, the old burning platform is you know either I'm going to jump into the shark infested waters or I'm going to stay on the platform and I'm going yeah. to I'm burn to death. Well, COVID's here. We, we nobody knows what the duration and what the ultimate end game is there. But we got to solve problems right now, so we have our burning platform. Mm -hmm. We got to solve problems in education. And I think that's going to be a catalyst to solving some of those things. We've been talking about smart cities for a year, but everything's expensive. Once you start laying this foundation for that, now you're laying the foundation for better EMS and for you know data offload for our law enforcement agencies so that they're out actively policing. You're doing you're building a smarter grid and starting to better coordinate traffic lights and response times and yep. you know the you, the use cases start stacking up one on top of another, but there's got to be something that that moves people off their spot and says, "You can't stay here anymore. You can't keep pointing the fingers and saying, well, I can't, I can't take the burden of this cost, this mm -hmm. responsibility.'" And our guy saying, "Well, I'm not going to be the one that moves first. And now we're all kind of saying, "We got to go. We got to go. <laughs> we we have a burning platform." Yeah. That is always the thing, too. It's like nobody wants to be the first person to move on that. So it's like a constant game. And like, yeah. it, are you going to go? Are you going to go? You, you know, you go. No, you go. And it's like uh, someone just needs to just kind of lead off on this. We are working on a couple uh, community Wi-Fi projects. We actually have, uh, I think, three currently, uh, two of which are in Michigan um, that we're hopefully going to be coming uh, soon to a theater near you that we can talk about and film. And then another one, I believe, in Ohio. Um, that we'll be able to talk about shortly as of today, Friday, October 23rd, 2020. But um, that'll be an exciting thing to talk about a little bit more and also to get uh, probably another follow-up conversation with you and maybe even Ian this next time uh, to yeah. talk about those types of deployments. Um, yeah, there's Even beyond there, there's Oregon, New York, and there's a lot of them starting to line up and starting to understand. And, and you know, the... I loved being able to read a couple of these RFPs the last couple of weeks just because I, you know, I get in front of me and I'm like, okay, I got to sift through all this guard, get to, let's get to the point. And then you have this, oh my God, somebody had a moment of clarity. Somebody finally recognized I've got to do something differently and they moved off their spot. And I, I literally just said, you know, I have my own hallelujahs and say, God, they got it. They finally got it. We're not competing against one another. We 
just come together and kumbaya and get John Lennon singing and hold hands and build something right. There you go. Uh, well, I mean, that's a pretty good closing comment. I don't know if I could add anything better than that. <laughs> yeah, John Lennon, I'm, kumbaya. I'm, I'm kind of amped up. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, but uh, we could do a little come together or something like that. There you go. That's uh, another. We could fantastic, go and film in Central Park. I'm not going to sing it, but if you want it, you're more than welcome to sing our our outro. If you want to do that, we can have that as a as a permanent thing on record for everybody. I could grab a guitar and finger pick it, but <laughs> no. you don't want me singing. Uh, this is this this podcast is going to quickly devolve into like uh, America's uh, doesn't have talent because um, God knows I can't sing for crap either. Uh, but I appreciate you making time. I know that's this you know community Wi-Fi and these infrastructure problems uh, they they're not new. We've been talked about for a while, and we have some very unique technology to be able to hopefully solve these things eloquently, then a very cost uh, cost effective and labor effective manner. Uh, so if you guys have learned something today. Uh, about Aura Wireless. You'd like to learn more about it, please feel free to reach out to us at sales at 3itech.com. That's sales at the number 3-E-Y-E-T-E-C-H.com. Thank you so much for tuning in, checking us out on the internet, or even watching it here on the YouTube. Check us out next time for another episode of Beyond the Device. We'll see you on the internet.